So the big thing is is uh, swapping up that, that lens that they're using to look at the world and also helping them to reorient where that lens is looking. Um, because sometimes if they do have, have that lens that is a little obscured, fogged by their own thoughts of what their truth is, and then looking at people who are only the successful people because they're being drawn to that, then that can take their eyes off of Jesus and that can help them to cause them to look at the world um, incompletely. If we can help them to establish what, what a true truth is, this generation, when they have a mission, and they're working towards that, especially together, like they can they can go do anything. So some of the things that we're doing, uh, we just did this at D-Now, was um, what is our identity? It's looking at the foundation. How do we tell them, biblically speaking, what's your identity in Christ? Who are you? What then do we do based on it? Hello, welcome to another episode of the Gospel Coaching Podcast. This is Josh. I'm on staff here at Redeemer, and I am joined by our pastors, Paul and Andy. Y'all want to say hi? Hey, Josh. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, yeah. Good morning. Y'all doing all right today? Yeah. Can't complain. Feel good. Yeah. Feel good? Feel really good. All right. Yeah, looking forward to interviewing our good friend, Hayden Lane, who is also on staff. I just said who you are, but do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, hey, guys. Hey, I'm Hayden. I'm the youth minister here at Redeemer. Uh, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, um, hey, Hayden, I think, I think you need to re-record that. Are you just the youth minister? In January, you became the oh, full-time, full-time That's a good point. Youth, minister. youth minister. Yes. Yeah. That's really track. the answer to prayer. You know, I mean, that's a big change in life, but it's also yeah. – that's something that you were – praying about and seeking and longing after for years. I, I really do. There's a yeah. faithfulness to how much you have sought that position and really a joy that you're, you're our full-time youth minister. The first are the third uh, full-time person at Redeemer, our second full-time hire. And yeah. uh, the first full-time hire that I am not the supervisor of. So who is your supervisor? It's me. Man. It's so, Josh. <laughs> Josh. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Josh. He's great. He does great. No, uh, Paul, man. Yes. Oh, hey, man. We've known each other for a little bit. Yeah, I came in 2012, um, and you were there in what, 2011, 2010? Yeah, 2010. You're kind of one of the OGs at Redeemer. Yeah. A decade ago? I should have some more grays in my hair for that, but. Man. But hey, the mustache and the beard's coming in. Hey, after I'm working after on it. A decade's coming in, baby. I haven't Excited. shaved in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's slowly starting to show up. I love it. Uh, man, we're honored that you're on on the podcast today. Um, I think we wanted to just start to at least let our listeners hear, you know, people at Redeemer. Um, tell us a little bit about your story, man. Tell us, you know, your call to youth ministry. How did you end up at Redeemer? How did you end up in this position? Maybe just kind of share with our people a little yeah. bit of that stuff. Yeah. So kind of just growing up, I wasn't churched at all. Um, and and so my my first kind of steps into church was with my sister at her church whenever I was probably in like fourth, fifth grade. Um, and then from there, I, I my mom had, had married somebody who was an inactive member of the Mormon church, uh, the LDS church. And so my first kind of real big steps into church that I thought was Christianity was in the Mormon church for about three years. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then, then after that, um, I heard the truth, learned that that was not the true church, that that they followed the true gospel, um, and that I then became a believer whenever I was like 16 or 17 in high school. 
Um, and then from there, came to OU, still a pretty new believer, trying to figure things out. Um, didn't really know what discipleship was or what it meant to have a mentor, someone that was pouring into your life and showing you what it meant to be a Christian. Um, and so then I, I met a group of guys, Grant Rose, Bronson Baker, Aaron John, a lot of these amazing guys who are doing Good some dudes. really cool stuff yeah. in ministry. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and I think just the, the things that we were doing, like we're starting to see the fruit of that. And so the, the ways that God was moving and working in them, it's like 10 years later from that, we're seeing the fruit of all that. And yeah. so it's really cool to see like, man, God put me in a really great relationship with these guys that they are still strong in the faith, if not stronger and in our really Yeah, dude. And just to see the, like you're talking about, like the, the spiritual lineage of, yeah. of each of those guys yeah. and what they're doing with Grant down in Denton, you know, Bronson doing some crazy stuff, possibly moving to Charleston to, to do BCM ministry there. And yep. then Aaron John's here in Norman, right? At, yeah, at, he's, at Hope. He's on full, full-time staff there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so those guys really plugged in, um, to, to the BCM ministry there. Uh, and really, we mainly just plugged into each other and lived life together. Um, but we then came to Redeemer um, in about around December and, and checked it out. And during that time, I was going to another church and they were talking about, hey, 2011 is coming up. We're going to renew our memberships. We're going to uh, look at what that means for you guys. We have this fancy board here. You're going to write your name on it. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I was like, no, I don't want to do that right now. And I was really just kind of turned off on the, on the concept of covenant membership. Um, and I was just kind of in this mindset of maybe just consumerism, like church hopping. Like, I don't want to be uh, plugged into one place right now. You've talked a little bit about kind of a, 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 a faith journey mm-hmm. of, of kind of not being in church, then being a part of a community that you then kind of mm-hmm. said, I kind of wanted to go, what was the correction? How did you say, no, this is the true faith and then kind of going into college and saying, all right, now I really found a group of people that are really kind of thinking and believing. Help us understand that some of your development through kind of those middle school and high school years, what was it like when you thought about who God was? So the, so the good thing with being in the, in the Mormon church and me finding out that it was, um, like a, a heretical, like not a true church was that I had people that loved me in my life that right. were, while they, they couldn't necessarily openly refute what the Mormon church was believing uh, and what was going on, like my sister, who uh-huh. whenever I was going into church for my first years with her, um, I remember that the biggest thing that stuck out for me was she had always pushed for me to um, get into the church. And so whenever I got into the Mormon church and I got baptized, she, I, I told her, I was like, Hey Carrie, I, I got baptized. Like, this is like a really big step. And I was just really just kind of waiting to see what she would say. And she was like, Oh, and I could just see on her face, just, she just completely deflated and, and didn't, and just was not the reaction I was expecting. So that for me, was kind of the first thought of what's different about this this church, what's different about my journey, what, what I'm doing that is not meeting her expectations. Uh, and so that's kind of like a first little point to that. And then um, there was a girl that I was dating in high school that um, I was just head over heels over and I was like, hey, hey, guess what? Whenever we get married one day, we get married in the, in the temple, we're going to be married forever in heaven. It's going to be amazing. And she's like, you're an idiot. 
because I think Jesus Ouch. said that there's no marriage in heaven. And she's like, here's the chapter and verse. And she went to the Bible. She's yeah. like, okay, hold on. This is yep. what. And I was like, huh. Well, my Joseph Smith translation says something a little different. Mm. And so, but, Interesting. But, but, but essentially it was like, no, this was, this, here's the truth. Here's what's going on. Here's what the Bible says. Was that a hard transition it. for you? Was that hard to, did that kind of give you a little bit of an instability of what else don't I know? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Because uh, I just know I was. Well, I was just like, this girl's really cute. I mean, I think that's probably part Obviously. of it too. Emotion, <laughs> emotional, emotional help to to make changes was was a part of it too. But so what you're saying is missionary dating, date people. Yes, that's I will the change best you. Way. Okay. If unequally being yoked is exactly what we need to do, especially yeah. in the youth ministry. That's sarcasm. Just kidding. Just sarcasm. kidding. <laughs> Anyone listening to this? That's youth. Don't listen to me right now. So. Um, but yeah, no, so I just had people in my life that cared for me that okay. were, were sharing the gospel to me. Um, and so around that time, I started going to uh, my girlfriend's youth group. It was a Baptist church. And so they started uh, teaching things um, that I honestly don't remember exactly what the things that were being taught, but a lot of it, um, I just felt at home, felt comfortable there, felt at peace yeah. there. Um, and so... And then you connected in college with this yeah. group of, uh, of guys, but you said yeah. you weren't really ready to be a member yet. So, so I, I kind of yeah. derailed you. I wanted to get you back to yeah, no, your no, part of fine. the story. So what was that like? Yeah. So, so then whenever we were attending this church, uh, they talked about covenant membership and I was like, no, I just put off about that. I didn't want to do that. Um, so um, I was just kind of at this mindset of, I'm going to go try something else out. Let's just go, let's just go somewhere else. And then my friend Grant was like, Hey man, I'm going to go check out Redeemer. You should come with me. Um, and so I'd been going to the other church for a couple months. And so at least eight Sundays to, to hear, hear the messages that were there. Um, and then I went to Redeemer. And the first thing that I walked away from was like Andy hearing you preach the gospel at the end of the sermon. And then the next Sunday, preach the gospel and how the, these specific passages that you're going through were specifically tying into the gospel and how the gospel moved and shaped and, and redeemed all of life. And so for me, within that first two weeks, I did a complete 180. God in my heart was just like, you're going to be here. And I was like, I'm going to be at this church. I'm going to be a member now. And so just, just the, for me, the crazy thing was just how really how God was shaping and molding my heart through relationships, through friendships and through um, church I guess church hopping or just exploring different churches and seeing what I wanted to then plant me at Redeemer. Um, and then uh, about a couple months later after that, I was at a worship service for the BCM and I just felt God move just like really powerfully. And in my heart, um, God like impressed like so, so much on my heart, the, the name Redeemer. He said, Redeemer. And I was like, wait, what'd you say? He said, Redeemer. I was like, oh, okay. I think God's trying to tell me that I need to be at Redeemer. Um, and so, so from, from God shaping and, and molding my heart up to this point, then he strongly impressed on me to be at Redeemer. I felt a strong calling to be here at this church. And, so, and that's why I've been here for the last 10 years is because I still feel God's calling on my life to be here. And it's going to be that way until God calls us to go, go anywhere else. Um, and so, and, and you know, through that, I, my journey's been all kinds of different directions here at the church. And so I feel like God's been working through that too. I remember when we had a building out on Highway 9, I remember standing in the parking lot and you sharing that story with me about this is where God has me. Yeah. And uh, 
uh, this Sunday, I, I, I picked on college students a little bit and talked about knuckle knuckle knucklehead college students who are like, let me tell you everything that's wrong. And I always appreciated that you came with this really God given burning desire to be a part of what God was doing at Redeemer. But yeah. you always had a humility that I've always really loved of going, and I don't care what that is. God has me here. What At times you're like, I'm going to be a praise and worship leader and I'm going to do that forever. I'm going to be the youth minister. I'm going to be, and, and you had all of these dreams. I, I laugh that, uh, that Josh ended up launching our youth group here uh, at Redeemer, but that was after you and Hannah a year before, like, we're going to do this all on our own. And then it didn't quite work out. And yes. you went, okay, hold on. <laughs> You're like, hold on. What? And, and it's, it, it's amazing that that hasn't been, I, I just want to like kind of encourage you that that hasn't been a straight line, but it has been right. a strong connection. And I really appreciate yeah. that you've kind of weathered the ups and downs and the lefts and the rights at Redeemer mm. and said, I'm here for what God has me to do here. And, and just your faithfulness, I think has been, has been a testimony and encouragement to me. Thanks, man. So yeah, totally agree. Um, the way you lead out in humility is, is unbelievable. And dude, we could probably film or record two or three podcasts about all that you've done at Redeemer in yeah. every different capacity and all the different ministries that you've served yeah. on. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll try to shift a little bit towards, you know, uh, Redeemer youth. Um, You've heard of a SWOT analysis, you know, strengths, weakness, uh, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Um, so looking at looking at our youth, looking at uh, Redeemer youth, um, what, what are their strengths? You know, as you look at look at our students, you look at the the culture. W- what's the strength of of our students today? One of the biggest things that I've seen uh, for our youth is um, a lot of. I think it just stems from the fruits of. of Andy's college ministry of, from from Bethel was there was a lot of you know, we have a, a lot of young families that have come into our church. Um, a lot of them had been previously had been in the college ministry. I mean, and and so we see all these these people coming into Redeemer and they've started their families and these these families have grown up in the church um, in a good God God loving God fearing church uh, and they are themselves pouring into their their children and those children have been growing up and, and coming up into uh, through our, our children's ministry, through uh, up to youth ministry. And so I've just seen a lot of really strong um, theological chops on some of these kids, or just just a good understanding of, of who God is and what God's done for them and, and knowing what the gospel is. Um, now we all still forget the gospel. We all still forget who God is, and that causes us to sin and, and causes us to to fall away from that stuff. But um, but these kids, especially in our youth group, are they, have, they have parents that pour into them. Yeah. Um, and they, and that's, I think that's the most important part. That's their main disciple that God's called for them is, is for their parents. Um, and, and so I see just really par- strong parents in the faith who are developing their children. Uh, and so from, from that, like those are, those are great things to be able to take and then have them then not just look back into our youth ministry, but also look into Redeemer, into regroups, into their communities and sure. their schools to then say, all right, now we can send you out. And, and go and do that. So I think we have very capable um, kids in, in the youth ministry that that love God that and that really that they love each other too. If they have they have a good strong understanding of who God is and what God has made, and He's made us. And so these kids come in, um, and we and we have had kids. Uh, 
with special needs and we just have kids that are just their own people. They can be a little zany, a little fun. Um, and we had just different personality types, different um, people, and they just love each other really well. And so we have a great, great connection with each other, uh, strong unity um, as a group. Yeah. Um, and there's always ways that that can be improving too, of course, but at the heart of it, like our students love each other. And if any of them have brought their friends in, they, as they try to do everything that they can to, to connect with them. And so I just, I just love that, that type of, of, of love and unity that we have sure. um, with that. Cause it's really just a, not an outpouring of who they understand God is. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's good. I, I think what you're talking about, the word continuity comes to mind in, in terms of teaching in the household, teaching in regroups yeah. and then coinciding with teaching on Sundays and uh, you leading the, the, the youth group. I feel like all those things kind of work together in tandem to, to build up our students, right. And to set them on the right path of following Jesus, which is so, which is so hard in our culture. Um, a lot of these things, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats can kind of blend together. Um, what, what, what challenges do you see before you as, as a youth minister here in Norman, um, kind of challenges, maybe some opportunities and how do those things kind of work together? What do you notice? Yeah. Um, so along with our children being very capable, um, I think, and I think that's probably just the same of, of this generation as well, is that we have a lot of kids that are um, doing so many things, um, and, and, that, and not just in our youth group, Norman at large, this generation, that there's just so much that's expected out of them. Um, and sure. so parents can say, you can do all these things, you're super capable, now I want you to go and do more. I want you to go and, and really kind of just take this world and just, and just go run with it. Uh, so I think there can be a lot of just these extremely high expectations that are put on them. Um, and so in that is also tied to the advent of social media, uh, the internet of always being connected with our phone, our phones in our pockets, that, that there are people who are taking the world by storm and just going out and doing amazing things that are their age. Um, at least what they see as that, how they interpret taking the world by storm, um, that these expectations that they are, have put on them, that they put on themselves, there's people out there that are doing that really well that are not them. Um, and so I think what can tend to happen is a lot of comparison and there can be a lot of, of self-doubt um, identity issues that they can come across by seeing someone who's 12-year-old uh, kid who made a really famous TikTok dance and just like blew up. And I saw recently a, a kid that did that, I think it was maybe 14, that he then was on this master class teaching about entrepreneurship and he was on it to talk about how he made a, a TikTok dance that was just viral. And I'm like, I don't know how you teach that to someone other than just having cool moves. And so I'm like, this guy just right place, right time, right song, cool moves, did this amazing thing. And a lot of people can look at that. How, how, how good are our youth at accurately assessing the visual representations of success and talent and fame that they do come across on social media, in news, in, in their culture? Like, like how well do you think that they accurately assess the strengths, benefits, and commonality of somebody teaching a master class on entrepreneurship at 12 or 13? 
So I, th- I think a lot of them have the right answer that they can say, oh, I know that my identity is not wrapped up in that. I know that yeah. I'm different than that person. I know that I, that what they did is for them. It worked out well for them. Uh, and, and, but so I think there's a lot of the right answers, like the typical Sunday school answers, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. Like, no, I found my identity in Jesus. But the actual outplaying of that in their life, yeah. can they can still just, even subconsciously, just have this feeling of defeat, feeling of just unworthiness, and that they don't have any worth or value that might just be something that's unconfessed, that even though they know the right answers, they're not believing that. Yeah. Um, so, I, so that's kind of the things that I feel like I've seen. Well, it's the, it's a common, the old cliche is keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Well, what happens when you have a news feed or you have a feed that shows you hear all the Joneses and they're all super popular and they're all super rich and they're all super together and they're all, you know, for the four second video that you just watched, you know, like, like uh, to me, I feel like there's such a, our our youth have to be able to have, uh, honestly, what the Bible calls discernment. So how... Do you help yeah. the youth have discernment in that? Because you're right, their heart, they still feel it. And so they got to yeah. be able to preach the gospel to themselves and go, listen, that's not the real world. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, their parents, i.e. me, <laughs> we're not really good at discernment either. And so, but how do you see that affecting the youth and the, uh, just as a, a, a challenge to them? Yeah. Well, I think... One of the one of the big things that does come up with a lot of people that are these influencers on social media is there's a lot of talk about what's your truth. Um, your own truth is is what you believe it to be, uh, and so that's what you need to work and act out of. Well, I think the biggest thing is that wrecks havoc on someone's discernment whenever yeah. they yeah. whenever they discern truth as different than what someone next to them discerns it as, and so. The biggest thing is establishing what is that what's that common truth? What's the what is the true truth, I guess. Yeah. And so for for us kind of this year what we've been working on is how do we work on discernment? How do we help them to see uh, what that truly is and that's biblical. What's the biblical foundations yeah. of of who they are? It's got to get outside of them. It yeah. can't be their own lens. They yeah. have to be able to attribute to their own lens because we think yeah. that fame, money, all those things are going to like, man, if I just have that, then everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And then all we do is see nothing but the lives of the rich, the famous falling apart. Yeah. And we're like, we know that the answer is that that doesn't do it, <laughs> but we have to have that outside right. uh, teaching. And so how you feel like you're, how do you feel like you're teaching that, that discernment? How do you feel like you bring in that truth? What are those mechanisms you're using in the youth group to help them with that? Yeah. So, I th- so the big thing is, is is uh, swapping up that, that lens that they're using to look at the world and also helping them to reorient where that lens is looking. Okay. Um, because sometimes if they do have, have that lens that is a little obscured, fogged by their own thoughts of what their truth is, and then looking at people who are only the successful people because they're being drawn to that, then that can take their eyes off of Jesus and that can help them to cause them to look at yeah. the world um, incompletely. And yeah. so what we're trying to do is how do we... How do we teach them the Bible? How do we look at that? Um, and I think this is like a great opportunity that if we're looking at the whole SWAT thing, um, an opportunity for them is if we can help them to establish what, what a true truth is, this generation, when they have a mission and they're working towards that, especially mm-hmm. together, like they can, they can go do anything. And yeah. so that's something that if we can help them as a youth ministry to see that the truth is, is the Bible, the truth is the gospel. Yeah. The truth is what God says it to be, that then 
if we can re, re uh, swap out that lens or, or clean it up through the Holy Spirit working in their lives, and then help them to see like our mission isn't to look like those people. Our mission is to then look at um, who who needs it, who are the vulnerable. Uh, kind of going through like First Timothy, but so it's so it's looking at um, so some of the things that we're doing. Uh, we just did this at D now mm-hmm. was um, what is our identity? It's looking at the foundation. How do we tell them biblically speaking? What's your identity in Christ? Who are you? That then they can, um, when we look at summer retreat that we have coming up um, and fall retreat, is what then do we do based on that? Um, or what's this lens that we have? Um, can be like talking about like worldview. The worldview is, is looking at the world and how you interpret it based on what you, what you believe and what you've been taught, your experiences. How do, we, how do we challenge those things to say, your worldview might be this? And they might say, oh, no, it's not. But subconsciously, they, they really truly believe it to be that, whether well, they can say that or not. And, and I think you have a really strong um, current in the, the youth ministry of worship, of, mm-hmm. of, of musical worship, which in a weird way is like saying, and this is the picture that you're looking at. It's, it is feeding them yeah. discernment. It's why we look at little kids and say, you are loved. God created you. You like, you start, yeah. you start taking those, that clear picture and you present that to them. And I think you actually naturally do that. I think that, that you're drawn to worship and to music and the, and, and the art yep. and being able to, to do that. And so I think that that's kind of another kind of one, two that you have what you have there. Um, Okay, man. So we've got, you know, a few more minutes. Uh, I have a couple, a couple questions. One of them being, um, you know, I said the same thing with, with Rachel on our last podcast, but as it comes to our regroups, how would you encourage, because I mean, who's listening to this podcast? It's going to be our, our leaders, our member, our members, uh, hopefully youth on this one, right? That our youth are listening to this, but how would you encourage maybe our regroup leaders of what does partnership look like with our youth ministry? Um, how can those things kind of work together as we try to follow Jesus alongside one another? We just went through this in our youth um, as we recapped our, our D now. Um, I was specifically looking at how can they be helping out in, in, in Sunday morning gatherings, how they can be helping out in youth on, on our Wednesday nights whenever we meet, and then also regroups. That's great. Um, and so one of, the, one of the biggest things, so, so they should be, we're talking about it tonight, actually, because we have youth group tonight. Sweet. We're going to follow up on that. Um, is our, our regroups need to give opportunities to our youth. Yeah. Um, and there's some specific ones that I kind of laid out for them. Um, but one of the big ones, it just, if anyone wants to just kind of take a, like, here's what we need to do as regroups is just how do you, whenever you're having your conversations and your discussions in regroups, look at a youth and ask them a question, try to get their input. Right. Um, and, and so sometimes we can like let a question sit out there um, and then you usually have like the same people that tend to um, add to the conversation and help it to to go on. But maybe giving the youth an opportunity to say like, like hey, JC, or like, hey, Bo, what's, what do you guys think about this? How does this fit in for you do, guys? So uh, to encourage you in that, because I, I, I'm totally in agreement with you, uh, a regroup um, member of uh, the Strouds regroup the other, the other day sent me a picture of Trent doing the Bible story for the children. And I just thought that was, I mean, I almost teared up. You know what I mean? It's such an incredible, powerful oh, yeah. image of 
our youth partnering in regroup community. You know what I mean? Um, and all these little, all these little children look up to our youth with such admiration. I know my son does, you know? And so to have that opportunity to have someone like Trent, you know, who's yeah, who Trent's like 12, maybe 11, something like that. He just turned 13. Just 13. My bad, dude. Getting old, man. Um, if you're listening to this, (laughs) but just, that's just a massive shout out for what you're doing. Um, okay. One last thing, man. What's your, what's your greatest hope? for our youth at Redeemer? Seeing everything that they've got, all the the strengths that they've got, all the passions and desires that they have that they want to see um, be played out in their life through them. Um, I want to see God take that, redeem that, and use that to share and to show His glory to everywhere that they're going. Um, And so, like, looking at, so the Strouds, so Cooper... Playing, playing baseball, Ethan Dobbs, Liam Patrick, all these guys that um, are on the same team, looking at that and saying, this is your guys' mission field. This is where you guys are at. You're literally in a field, okay? In mission field, how can you look at that and your team as a tribe, how can you take your skills, your talents, abilities, and your passion for baseball and let the gospel shape that and let that be something that moves you to evangelize to your friends um, and to play the game and enjoy it even more so than if you were an unbeliever because of your love for Jesus and the way that he loves a game like baseball or the way that he loves the people that play that. Um, and so just seeing, seeing all these things that, that these kids are a part of, um, how, can, how can another one of our kids play Apex Legends or make some TikToks? I'm terrible let at that, that game. I am too. Terrible. I tried it once and it was awful. It's not like Call of Duty. I, it's very different. I was so bad I couldn't even get carried. Mm. Like usually in the game, you get mm. carried by the really good guy. Mm. I, I died so fast, it couldn't help it. But how do they how do they look at those things and say, uh, because I love Jesus, how can I enjoy this more? Or how can I use this as a means to um, to evangelize? Not just saying like on the chat, hey guys, you know who Jesus is? Like not that kind of stuff, but being able to use those as a means to um, to fellowship together, to be in community, um, and and to even just simply caring for those that are on the other end of the game that you're playing with. Um, or how do you make these TikToks that are really fun little bite-sized little videos that can, can be portrayals of, of the gospel in that? Um, and so those are, I think those are the kind of the things that I'd love to see our youth do. And I think those are things that we're trying to hit on this, this year. Um, and my wife, Hannah, she talked about that once at D-Now in one of our sessions of here's, here's who you are. Um, everyone wrote down like a attribute about themselves of who they are. Like I'm a writer, I'm a scholar, I'm an artist, put them in this bucket. And then she took this white cloth over it and said, here's Jesus. Jesus takes all this. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to change you from doing those things. He wants to instead redeem it and mm-hmm. make that those be a righteous outpouring of that's his great. love and his favor of, onto the world um, as a way to love it. And so like that, that's what I want to see is these kids um, look at those things that they've got in their lives and then go out and share the gospel through that. That's great, man. Thanks for sharing with us today. You know, Hayden, I, uh, I am the, uh, I have the benefit of you having been one of the youth ministers for my kids, current kids mm-hmm. that are in the youth group. Josh was actually uh, with with them a little bit too, um, but. I hear you and, and, and what, what I get so excited about when I see that God has provided the opportunity for you to be full-time is that you're talking about all the stuff that we're trying to help the discernment of these kids that are at Redeemer. And I just kept thinking about the kids that aren't here. 
they don't have those voices speaking into it. And you're talking about our kids going out and being able to be those little glimpses. But I, I, I pray for more people to have the care and the ministry that you are leading, that Han is leading, that all, all of our D group leaders uh, are, are leading. And so I just want to say thank you for creating and, uh, and cultivating a ministry that I sit there and I go, my heart's broken for kids who don't have that. And I want them to be a part of that. And so that's my prayer for you. And I just appreciate what you're doing and, and excited. Thanks for taking time to, to, to join us today. Amen. We, we love you. We love what you're doing. We're excited about what God has mm. in front of it. Amen. Amen.